Author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries here with you. As you may have surmised since uh, I'm coming on late, as, which has been a uh, pattern in the past with I Protest, not any technical difficulties of my own. We're, this is, we're working fine on this end now. But uh, the guest we had, Mary Maxwell, who has been on before, and she was very popular, a very sweet lady who uh, whose voice is deceptive considering she says such radical stuff. But uh, she's a lovely person, and she's trying to – I don't know what's going on with her. She's having trouble – accessing the link so i said well, let's go on the air because i see people uh already uh cat is apparently gone over to jimmy door the competition um <laughs> uh, so we'll uh we'll hang in there until she gets back and hopefully we'll look for her here and hopefully we can get her on i had uh, like chris graves was talking i was on a show with him earlier today how his two guests or something canceled this is what is very frustrating about doing these things without with, especially you know without having the mechanism of a radio station that can uh can get these things going for you when you have guests cancel. And I had two other guests that both canceled as well. I had uh, Clay Clark, who his people continue to text me all the time. And get, I don't know why he wants to be on this show when his audience is so much bigger than mine, but um, it is what it is. And then he, they ended up canceling. So I don't know. And somebody else as well. But uh, so look, fortunately we had Mary Maxwell. I'm just looking on here to put some comments on the screen Good to see everybody. Chris Gray's, of course, Angry F Tigers there. Uh, we have Harlan Stonewall. Good to see you, sir. And then Cat Goy is back. Okay, good. Stay here, Cat. Till Jimmy Goy Gore has me back. You know, there she sees she's back. Good. Oh, this be kind. It's Ella. Good to see you, Ella. Good to see you, my friend Ella, who may be coming back on this show as well soon. So, um, Hopefully we get Mary Maxwell back. In the meantime, I just got done writing a Substack, and I hope if you if you aren't subscribing to me on Substack, shame on you. Uh, please do DonaldJeffries.substack.com. It's uh, you can identify it easily. It's called I Protest, just like this show. It's kind of a thing with me. I'm always protesting something. Go over and um, please do that. You can subscribe for free, or you can be really cool and. Um, be a paid subscriber, as many, many people have there. I'd really appreciate that. Certainly beats tipping us on Rockfin, I can tell you that. So if you want to, want to help me out, that'd be much easier to become a very, very low-cost paid subscriber there. But uh, check it out. I just wrote one uh, about Trump and Stein and uh, the trannies and the madness we're having in this world, which we think we're good. If Mary, if we can get Mary Maxwell on the show, we'll be talking about 9-11. She wants to talk a lot about that today. But um, and she's done some good work there. But if I left to my own devices like now, obviously I think those are two really, and they're, they're largely distractions, but they are again indicative of the state of America 2.0. And that's the uh, transgender shooter at the Tennessee school and uh, Trump's latest fiasco with him being indicted for some ridiculous uh, thing that has already passed the, uh, the statute of limitations. So thus my uh, combination of those. And Ella says, hi, Chris. Good to see you. 
Chris says 9-11 is his core issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I haven't even had a chance to look on Rockfin over here. I don't know if we're, we're I forgot to ask Tony. I, I don't know for sure if we're on Rumble or not. I have to figure out how to check. I need monitors everywhere so I can I coordinate to all these chat rooms at once. But uh, so I'm not sure if we are over there and maybe Tony can let me know if we get Mary back. Mary is supposed to be seeing if her neighbor can help her out. And if she got on here okay the last time and she doesn't seem to remember uh, how she got on. But at any rate, the uh, what we're facing here again, and again, we're, we're just, and I know I say this every week and, and things aren't going to change, but it just gets, it keeps getting more and more apparent of how just, uh, you know, really insane we are. And, and Ella says she's no, a naive, no more corruption, but I mean, we are just, you know, to the point where we have it's there's not even a pretense and it's not like the legal system was was good before it was full of corruption and people have been in prison for decades i think some guy just got out recently again after 30 some years which has happened over and over and uh it's you know it's it's shameful that it happens at all but it happens way too often but when you see something like you know trump getting again i think that you know trump is part of this production and i <laughs> my main reason for thinking that is uh the fact that uh, DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has come out and said what I was saying, and that is, uh, you know, there's no reason to extradite Trump for something this ridiculous. I mean, there's he's basically being sent into a kangaroo court where, again, I don't I think Trump is part of this. So it's not, not like I think he's some innocent guy that's being targeted. But and what will prove he's part of it is the fact when he goes to New York, when here he has the governor of Florida saying, hey, don't worry about it. I'm giving you safe harbor here. Just like all the witnesses that Jim Garrison tried to get back in the day for his investigation in uh, in uh, in New Orleans, and you know those governors like Ronald Reagan of California, and ironically John Connolly, who was in the limousine and was shot along with JFK, he still wouldn't uh, extradite witnesses. They're unheard of at the time, but this set a precedent. Must like Abraham Lincoln said so many bad precedents. This sets a good precedent, perhaps for something like this, and. Regardless of what Trump is, if he had one ounce of sincerity in his body, he would be giving a giant middle finger to New York. Okay. Live on air call, folks. I got to take this call from Mary Maxwell. Yes, Mary. My friend is downloading the Chrome for me and she knows her stuff, so I hope it'll work soon. I hope so. Okay. What I'll do is I'm on it. Talk about me. You could start off reading that motto. Of course, say it's Mary's motto. Okay, I will do that. I'm on air now, so I, I will do that before you come okay. on. I'll look for your, as soon as your picture pops yeah. up in here, I'll, I'll yeah. bring you on, okay? Yeah, thanks. Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, that was Mary Maxwell Live. Her friend is downloading Chrome for, shouldn't take that long, but we, um, JT said it couldn't be all coincidence, and Doug Water says he agrees. Trump's 100% part of it, but if he had one ounce of sincerity, this is a perfect, it's, I mean, he didn't, he, I, I wouldn't go any of us. I'm again, he's a billionaire. Can you imagine uh, the Clintons or Obamas or, or being, uh, or the Bushes being uh, told in another state, hey, this DA is going to bring it, even if it was a real serious charge, but something as ridiculous as this, a misdemeanor that the statute of limitations has expired on, and some crazy DA, uh, DA who is, uh, threatened many times in the past to talk bragged ironically his name is Bragg uh has bragged that he that he wants to get Trump 
So again, this is all part of the show, but Trump obviously should just, especially now that he's been given protection by DeSantis, who of course he has cartoonishly been uh, arguing with for no reason and calling him desanctimonious. And DeSantis, again, probably part of the production too, uh, takes the uh, the high road and says, "No, I this is a politicized production, a, a prosecution. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to honor it because it's very dubious, and it is. But what is Trump? So Trump." He just stay there. He should do what he did when he was president, golf. Just go out in his Mar-a-Lago courses and, and do what he did basically as president, golf. And ignore it. Entertain. You take to his social media and you know brag about how he can come and get me or whatever. It would be a Fort Sumter moment. Even though, again, Trump is ridiculous. He's an actor. This is not about him. This is symbolic of what, what it represents is this could be a giant F you to these politicized per, uh, prosecutions. I don't think for a second Trump will do that. And he already, his, his latest member of his legal crack legal team, some young lady, I forget her name, that was on uh, Tucker Carlson last night. And Tucker was trying to basically say like, you know, this is what he should do. And she says, no, well, no, I actually think that I'm advising him to go to New York and go in that courtroom and force them to look him in the eye. Like they're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, this is, I mean, could there be worse legal advice? I mean, does any court-appointed attorney ever given worse advice than that but that's the kind of lawyers he consistently has which again is just part of the show i don't i don't i can't believe that he can't find better attorneys than that and uh but this is this is uh, right up there with release to kraken and sydney powell uh she was just awful whoever she is and, and i'm sorry you know i don't i don't know i don't know her but you know to give that kind of advice when here you have a moment that could be a watershed moment for all of us because we're all thinking we can't continue to live in harmony with uh, with people who have literally lost their minds, who don't believe in the First Amendment anymore, don't believe in free speech, who believe biological men can give birth, and they do. If you watch some of these congressional hearings, uh, the Twitter files and all that, they've had several people, and they're all high-ranking officials. These are all people that make a lot more money than you or I ever will, a lot more prestige and power. And they are seriously getting up and, and saying that uh, that uh, uh, transitioned males, transitioned females, whatever, have have the ability to give birth. I mean, this I I don't know what you what can you say beyond to someone at that point. There's nothing you can say. It's absolute insanity. And these are the people we're dealing with, and we can never live in harmony. Well, we maybe we could live if you want to believe that. That's fine. But when you want to make it official policy of the United States government, official policy of all corporate America, which it has become, and you want to cancel somebody, you want to get them fired from their job when they state the truth. I mean, that's just in, insanity. And so that's where we are right now. And uh, this is a moment, again, that could, again, it doesn't matter because I, I don't think Trump's ever going to jail or anything like that. Yeah, because he's, he's part of the, he's the star of this production, the Trumpenstein project. But Symbolically, what does he represent? This is a this is basically a symbolic representation, like Alex Jones's trials are. Again, that's what you think, Alex Jones. This is a message to the people that this is a reality. Now we're not even going to make a pretense anymore. Our judges are not going to make you. You're going to walk into a hard ass judge's uh, chambers before, and he's got a reputation as our. But before you didn't have TikTok judges, who you can look at their social media and see that they hate people like you, if you're walking into people that say what you're saying. And that's exactly what, uh, 
we have to deal with right now. Roger Stone had to deal with that with Judge uh, Amy Berman Jackson, who allowed a juror, the lead juror, to uh, who to post things on social media that were anti uh, Trump and anti Roger Stone during the trial. I mean, that's you know, it's unheard of. That would have caused a mistrial if the guy had been a serial rapist or serial killer before in the past. But um, the Republican leaders in Trump, well, again, they're rallying. This, they're rallying behind the, the president. Now, what, what are they? How are they rallying? Are they urging him to go fight it in New York in the courts? That's what I. That's what I'm guessing they're doing. I don't. I doubt they're rallying behind DeSantis and telling him to stay in Florida. Exactly. How are they rallying? That's what I'd like to know. And especially the Republican leaders. Is Mitch McConnell on board? I don't think so. <laughs> Would be be the first time. Dave Knight is a great name for him. Benedict Donald. Yeah, exactly. John Vesquelin. Yeah, And I've, I've heard that before. And certainly he, uh, and it hurts me, of course, since I, you know, ever since I started my writing career, I'm, I'm called Donald a lot now. <laughs> and uh, I, I haven't been since elementary school, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of uh, hearing that name governed by the insane. JT says, absolutely. Jeannie Poole with the FBI, the federal marshals, the state police in New York coming to Florida to arrest him. We've been trying to figure out how it just, no, I, I, I don't, that's not going to happen. And see, that's that's way because again, you have states' rights there, and this is you know this is a huge battle because again, even though it's all built on you know something as absurd as the Stormy Daniels thing, and the fact that Trump is part of the production, it's not like he's Trump's a, an innocent victim here. But I mean, there are serious charges against Trump. You know, supposedly allegations. That one was the fact that you know, supposedly he was involved in the rape of an underage girl once, supposedly. I don't know. I never heard much else about that. And then there's his niece who alleged that he he tried to maneuver a will or something to steal millions from her. I don't know. And that's, uh, okay, Chris Buckin is here. It's a fun week. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, it's crazy photo holding the baseball. But and there's so many of these things. I, I don't know how many of the photos have been... Um, photoshopped or whatever and how many of them could possibly be real but the people with trump derange syndrome the many millions out there that have in their millions are lusting for the uh, the photo that a lot of uh, other people have been lusting for in terms of uh, hillary clinton the orange jumpsuit so will they give the giant orange man a a, a jump an orange jumpsuit i don't know i don't know if they'll, they'll do that or not as part of the show but they might who knows uh, Chris says, NYTD is preparing for potential unrest. Yeah, I mean, it's I, all I, I what I saw last night when it Fox, Fox News was covering it nonstop and they had uh, no commercials at all. And uh, they were, uh, Tucker, they were going to like uh, a film crew in Mar a Lago, outside Mar a Lago. And they showed, I think it was about 10 people. And um, most of them were older, late, older ladies and they didn't look real threatening. I just can't see the deep state being, you know, shaking in his boots over that. I, I, I think January 6th scared what little rebellion there is out of the, uh, the side that still has some semblance of sanity in America. The other side is batshit crazy and is financed largely by powerful people. So they can obviously, uh, you know, they can obviously do whatever they want. But uh, the side, our side, and again, I'm taking, you know, I'm no conservative, but the at this point, the the sane side is on the right. And um, if you look back in American history and you look at the history of rioting, 
and uh, riots, really the only time you had, well, you basically two times. I, I don't know what you would call the, the bonus army. Uh, there weren't really riots, but the protests, I don't know if that was a left or right thing or not. There were World War I veterans who were promised a bonus. And uh, of course, you know, the American government, they don't exactly keep their promises to the Indians or their citizens. And uh, they didn't. And so they, they set up 10 cities. And famously, you had uh, a young, a young Douglas MacArthur and a young uh, Patton, George Patton, come out and uh, rousted them out heroically, the great heroes future military leaders, uh, the, these poor, pathetic uh, people who'd fought for their country in the, the most worthless war that uh, America's ever fought in. And that's saying something, World War One, where even they can't come up with a reason for it. And I think I see Mary Maxwell. So you don't have to listen to me. Mary Maxwell, are you there? I, I am. <laughs> great. Uh, it's great. Like, I don't see you, but that's fine. Your audio is fine. Watch this. None of you see me. Eeks. Yeah, there she is. Wonderful to see you. Well, the the, the crowd has been demanding you, and I, I've been putting things up. And I, I know you said it distracts you if I put so. Guys, I'll be putting your comments back up on screen later, but it distracts Mary when she's talking. So, Mary Maxwell, you were here not that long ago, and uh, brought back by popular demand. And I think you were talking about other things then, but I think you mainly want to talk nine eleven today, right? Yes, it's not my normal sphere of work, but something has come up that I would like to share. Well, please do. So Mary Maxwell, the floor is yours. I'm going to try to, do, I, I may be off screen for a second. I'm trying to bring up Rockfin here. So go ahead and talk. Okay. Now I have certain areas that I work in that are false flags. That's not my real thing. My real thing is law and uh, filing lawsuits against government. And because I read the Judy Wood book, which everyone had said, you know, you mustn't read, she's no good or something. I was so surprised to find in it that controlled demolition is not the solution to the collapsing buildings thing. I did realize from early on that it wasn't fire. And I know that 3,000 architects have signed to say no fire could ever do that. Okay, so the official story, as usual, is worthless. But... I thought the alternative story is, and thinking back to the Oklahoma City bombing where explosives were found, but poor old Officer Yiki got soon killed for saying that. Um, I just assumed that was it. And I remember seeing the Travelers Insurance Company in Boston demolish its building, and I stood far away over by the fish market near South Station so I wouldn't get flying debris, of which there wasn't much, and boy, it came down, you know, just immediately. Uh, so we all saw the thingy on uh, the, the great fire of 9-11. I didn't hear after that that it wasn't a collapsing. I heard that it wasn't the fire, but I thought the alternative was just understood to be explosions. And the explosions require pancaking, right? They go start from the top and each level pushes down on the next one. So one of Miss Judy Wood's questions is, well, who could put the pressure on the very top one? I mean, if the activity was occurring on floor number 80, where would the pressure come from higher than that? So her theory, which I don't necessarily buy, and she doesn't want it called a theory. Well, I'm, I believe it is a theory. <laughs> And she says that some Nikola Tesla-related technology has been 
found, and you would think since 1943 when they grabbed his notebooks, that they wouldn't be sitting idle. And every year, how many geniuses graduate from Berkeley? Mm -hmm. and right. It's not just, you know, going wanting. So probably that's it. But I don't, I'm not married to the idea that it was done by directed energy. Uh, I guess the other alternatives, one is mini nukes, and I'm not qualified to say, I'm not qualified to discuss that or the directed energy of Tesla. And it's looking through the literature now in the last few days, it seems most people have tossed out the thermite, which I had heard was a wonderful explanation from Professor Niels Harrod in Denmark. Is he or one Scandinavian country? And do you, are you familiar with that name, Niels Harrod, H-A-R-R-I-T-T? No, no, I don't think so. He's the thermite man. And I thought mm -hmm. that it was already settled that they found thermite there, but apparently that's not true. And there's a book, I have it here. There's a book by a couple of people, Mike Palachek, Jim Fetzer, but it's by many people, many commentators give a chapter in here. And one of them says that he comes from San Diego when he belonged to San Diegans for 9-11 Truth. And mm -hmm. he was startled to realize that the A and E group, you know what I mean, the Richard Gage group, doesn't want mm -hmm. doesn't want you fishing around in these other thoughts. Well, there's so much infighting, isn't there, between the, and I think the San Diego chapter was the one, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Graves probably knows, that uh, Abby Martin, who's become kind of a rock star for a while in the alternative world, is trying to break in. She was ahead of that for a long time, and then she suddenly repudiated, because she's trying to break in the mainstream, and said, oh, I don't think 9-11 was an inside job. Sorry, I just thought of that when I... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It takes all kinds, sir, and you can't even trust me, and I can't even trust you because who knows? I mean, even the <laughs> nicest people who have, yeah, and you certainly seem nice. I boy, I would that would be disillusioning, Mary, if I found out that you were some kind of a treacherous <laughs> double agent. <laughs> and also, the ones who were in on it, okay, the ones who knew about it in advance. Now they are all murderers, right? By definition, I mean they they participated in making those people die but then there's a whole hundreds of thousands of people afterwards who participated in the cover-up such as by giving foolish answers when asked simple questions like why did the duck cross the street i mean they, they give you a, a mallorcas type so i'm going off the track but have you seen the senate hearings in the last few days of Mallorca's answering the question. I, I've been watching. I was talking a little before you came in there because we we're talking about Trump and all that, the crazy yeah. stuff's been going on. But uh, yeah, watching the, whether it's the Twitter files hearings or Mallorca's or any of these yeah. things, just to see the people yeah, it's that, are, that are working for the government. It's just, uh, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. But you have to give him, I don't know whether it's the word is credit. As you look at him, you I don't see his brain saying, I've got to think of something clever to answer. He has got it already. It's like um, pre-prepared garbage. But how come so many little people, the big ones, maybe like he, he's a big one, right? He's a cabinet member, I think, the Department of Homeless Security. Is that in the cabinet? Yes, must be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, um, he is big. But there are many, many others, including all sorts of little news readers, as we call them in Australia, for the mainstream media. 
who really are just reading the news. <laughs> but mm -hmm. they're reading stuff that they should you know, not want to read. And just, how can they control so many people? That's amazing. And how can those people not be able to be broken down by pricking their conscience? It's, it's like you can't, even my artist, no amount of pointing out to him the problem of immigrants crossing the border is going to have any effect. No, and that, and that's why you know when we talk about nine eleven again, we just we we're at this point because of nine eleven and the JFK assassination. Any other event, Waco, Oklahoma City, any because we were lied to about all these events, and the people put up with it every time. And now we are where we are, where men can give birth, and you have uh, you know <laughs> you had the situation where we are. This is America two Mary. This is it. You can yeah. see John Lawler loves your name. I'm sorry, I had to put that up there. Thank you, John. Um, I want to tell you that I've run for Congress a few times. Uh, you know, they say on Wikipedia, if somebody is a professional, perennial candidate, well, I guess if I were to do it again, but I'm old, mm -hmm. I guess I would qualify as perennial. But since it's only three times over a period of 20 years, I, I wasn't perennial. But at that time, someone said to me, who could not vote for a person named Mary? Yeah, exactly. And and when you there's no such thing as too old anymore because we have Biden, you have Trump, you have Pelosi who just retired. Uh, you know, so I mean, these are who knows? You know, maybe we'll have a hundred year old president soon. I don't know. We had a hundred year old congressman, I think. Remember the guy? It's probably Strom, Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond. Yeah, yeah. And was yes. he? Was he the one that had a secretary named Elizabeth Ray at one of? No, no, no. Elizabeth Ray was uh, Wilbur Mills, I think. But yeah, but Strom Thurmond was the one who uh, you got to give him credit. He married uh, his second wife. Oh, I think he was sixty or sixty-two, and she was like eighteen or nineteen, and okay. they had six kids okay. and were married to it. So you know, I don't know. Strom, I guess was a. Uh, Guess it was a you know Tennessee whiskey or something. I'm not okay. sure what it was. <laughs> well, the other one you mentioned, who had the secretary, I remember that at a hearing, and that was back in the days when people would say meaningful things. And she said the problem was the man was being accused of paying her a salary out of his congressional funds when she really wasn't doing the work. And she said, "I can't type." I can't take shorthand. Right. I can't even answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. Where were we, where were we on 9-11 when I... Yeah, back there. Yeah, we got kind of sidetracked. So you were, oh, you were talking about... Your name. Oh, the, another man doesn't love Mary anymore. He's saying Judy has the toasted vehicles. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah so he's talking about Judy Wood because you wanted to talk about yeah. Judy Wood and I think something... Yeah. Fetzer was mentioned and we were all familiar with Fetzer, but yeah. All right. Now... Judy Wood's book is about 500 pages, and I am only up to page 78. So who am I to come on to your show and say that I can talk about it? Well, there's a lot between page 1 and 78, but it doesn't yet get to the toasted vehicles. I've seen the photos of them. And if she does have some kind of a reasonable Tesla explanation for why those cars were gutted out inside. Is that right? I'm thinking of photos I saw with it. It looks a bit rusty on the outside, but it's solid. It hasn't fallen apart, but inside it's sort of missing. And there's another one that another little fun thing that she can probably uh, put to rest for us. 
after page 78, and that is paper, actual paper, which I guess came from the offices within the towers. It ended up on the street. Have you seen photos of that? Not huge pieces, uh, of paper, but not tiny pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I've, there's so many photos like that from from 9/11. There's so much to be explained there. It's a, just the yeah. the idea that people believe this narrative is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I hadn't wanted to break in when I see something on the screen, but I should. So it says Trump is a great actor. My belief is he's definitely part of the takedown of America. That's it. Trump, Trumpenstein is what I came up with the Trumpenstein project. I think he's uh, he's an actor. So we were talking about that before you came on. So I, I didn't want to distract it uh, from. Uh... Okay. I wouldn't rule out. I don't rule out that all the countries that are supposedly warring with each other, just like the two parties are warring. It's maybe, I can't know it, but I can guess it. It may be all directed to do that. George Orwell's book said things like that mm -hmm. about distracting everyone, just keeping them busy. Because folks like um, the leaders of any nation other than Andriotti out of Italy, was he a prime minister? I think he said, hey, 9-11, you know, come on. And then there was the Japanese senator or House of Reps, whatever they have in the Japanese diet, and he was... Remember, he dropped a book. He said the building went like that. And he yeah. said this on the floor, and and then he didn't win his next election. Yeah, that's that happens. <laughs> well, it is possible, but I don't want to have somebody run away and I say, Mary says Trump is doing this or that. How would you know? But it is certainly possible that the whole game, which now will channel in on him and his girlfriend or whatever, and that is, for one thing, an important distraction. On the other hand, it is giving life to the Hunter Biden thing, isn't it? I mean, if you can arrest the ex-president, and I have no problem with any ex-president or sitting president or senator, anyone being arrested, that's perfect, mm -hmm. all right? As you may know, I'm from Australia. Well, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, but I spent most of my life down under and mm -hmm. there is one person who is legally above the law and that was queen elizabeth all these years and now it's king charles and you cannot charge him with any crime and that's actually kind of reasonable because you want the first family to be us i mean they're the easiest symbol of you know a family that we can follow from their great grandmother all the way down to the little babies and mm -hmm. so it's not the same in america of a president would be so terrible if he was wearing handcuffs. I mean, come on, if you're going to commit a crime, you're going to get the handcuffs. Right. I think it's a selective use of because if you look at uh, the crimes of Bill Clinton alone, I mean, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, Obama, the Bushes, I mean, these. These are huge crimes. They weren't paying off a porn star. I mean, and by the way, Bill Clinton paid Paula Jones over eight hundred thousand dollars. Uh, nothing happened to him. He wasn't prosecuted. And if he had, if some DA had tried to extradite him, they would. He would have laughed at him. He wouldn't have gone. There's a, it, Trump's going. If Trump goes to New York, to me, he's proving he's an actor because he can stay in Florida under DeSantis protection, and they can send a message: we're not going to put up with this. But he he'll go because he's an actor. You watch. Oh, uh, but I think the Constitution says anybody in any state has to cough up the. 
Well, uh, but the but the, the but the governor can refuse the extradition order as they did during Jim Garrison's investigation. The governors of many states, including Ronald Reagan and, and John Connolly, who was shot, they didn't. Uh, Garrison couldn't get anybody to come there. They weren't extraditing anything. So there's precedence there, and this is how you make a statement if you really want a to uh, secede and all that. You want a national divorce. Here's where you make a statement. The governor, he's willing to put up uh, and he's willing to take the stand. Say, no, this is this is BS. We're not going to do it. And you you say, no, we're not going to do it and see what happens. And But Trump is part of the production. I don't think that Trump for a second will do that. He won't, he won't stay in Florida. He'll go to New York. We will see you on Tuesday, and I bet you're yeah, right. We'll, we'll see. And there, uh, there is a question there for you that I had to... Does Mary know the fate of Dr. Judy Wood? Oh. Did something happen to Judy Wood? Oh, I didn't know there was a problem, but I do know this. Someone tipped me off to the fact that she has a cult following. Now, that doesn't mean she's a cult. I know a lot about cults. I know a lot about mind control. That's one of my best research areas. And cults get created here and there when, such as in Australia, there was a cult called the family. And this lady adopted about more than 15 children, I think. And uh, it is said that Julian Assange is one of those 15. But there's a little boy in the picture that certainly looks like him and even looks like his little boy today. But, well, photographs can be doctored. Um, anyway, this lady named Anne Hamilton Byrne started the family. And she was in cahoots with someone in India who was like a guru. That was part of the story, too. But also a man named, either his first or last name was Raynor, R-A-Y-N-O-R. And he was, if not governor general of Australia, which is the vice regal position, he was something like that. He was a biggie. We're looking maybe at the 1940s there. And... He was somehow helping this cult too. So whoever creates the cult, whatever members get sucked into it, absolutely have to obey because they can't think not to obey. You know, that part of their brain is closed down. So if there is, if the Judy Wood group has some cult under it, first of all, that doesn't mean she is culty herself. She may be, what do I know? But that doesn't imply that. And even if all those members are seemingly devoted to her, it could be that they have been placed, you know, once you hire or to recruit a number of culties and get them to do something, it could be this, like you just said, Trump is, you think is a double con or whatever. And these, the whole purpose of the cult could be, please know that I am stretching the imagination here. Mm -hmm. It could be that her stuff is true. By the way, it's looking good to me. Um, and if it's true and they want people to stay away, one way would be to start harassing the people who are in favor of her. And I can say I have received a little bit of harassment since about 10 days ago when I published a pro-Judy article in Australia. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm here in New Hampshire. No, I'm not in Australia. Where am I? Who knows? Where am I? Where am I? Well, I, um, I want to say uh, thank you, Deborah Wheeler, while she's on there. Thank and you, Deborah uh, Wheeler. And I, I uh, what's that? This is the point we're talking about. Trump Harlan Stonewall mentions 
Cuadon is on record saying something like bombs brought the towers down. You've heard him say that originally he Trump alluded to bombs bringing the, the uh, towers down. He seemed to have said that off the cuff and intelligently. You yeah. remember? It was early on. And then yeah. Yeah. they've never been able to get him to say it since. And the Larry. Of course, of course not. <laughs> the Larry Lovestein person is quite amazing after he did his thing. Who knows why? Who knows why he would make that statement? We pulled it. And yeah, then he, it, he actually it. tried to change it. But it's, everybody has seen it. He's trying to make it have a different interpretation. Did you, sure. you know what that's he didn't amazing. really say what he said. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's the 9-11 story. So, so but for those of those people who don't know, if you want to talk about Judy Wood's work, what is what is Judy Wood's theory is basically what that there were no planes or what 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 exactly is her theory? I'm going to read my motto. Did you read my motto? I did not read it yet. Do you oh, want to read it? No, I'll read it now, but later I might ask you to okay. be put up. Okay. My motto, meaning for today's to prepare for today's should have been two hours, but I was a little technologically behind the game. But I say, the towers did not come down by the familiar process of controlled demo. I wrote emotion. Actually, this word, word, what do you call it when you have the word soft, word software? Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word, word yes. Uh -huh. they are, lately, they've been correcting me without me knowing it. So they changed my word controlled demolition to Controlled emotion. <laughs> right, let's stick with controlled demolition. The towers did not come down by the familiar process of controlled demolition in which the floors pancake down. Rather, it is pulverized or dustified, so there is little debris at the bottom and no damage to the bathtub. Well, since I've said bathtub, I now have to demonstrate the bathtub. I don't know if the screen is big enough to do it but no it's not in my bathroom it's right here can you see this well it happens to be a post box okay see okay this, this is the bathtub and what is it it is a structure that is built under the towers so the towers are sitting in it this is since 1972 and by the way i lived in new york city when this was happening when the towers were going up and everybody hated the towers it wasn't as if Oh, heartbeat, heartbeat. That's this beautiful American. Was, uh, look at those ugly things. So the towers are down here in the bathtub. And why is that? Because if there were no bathtub built to protect against water, the Hudson River might come in, get under the buildings, and wouldn't you know it, but under the buildings there are 14 subway lines. From my days in New York, I don't think there was as many as 14 altogether, but let's say even if it's only four, you can't have water coming in on the subway line, which would then go through the tunnel up to Chambers Street and Midtown or wherever. It didn't happen. And that's one of Judy Wood's best say, discoveries. She said at the end of the day, September 11th, if there had been any pancaking or any material Heavy material came down. It would have ruined the bathtub. And the bathtub was not ruined. It was in pristine condition. So that is a support for her theory that really not much came down because it all went as little pieces of dust. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I think she is going to claim after page 78 that Mr. Tesla would be able to explain. Now, so I interrupted my, what I was calling my motto to read that. Now we're going to go back to the motto. The motto says, Mary believes that uh, we're not looking at controlled demolition. There was little debris and no damage to the bathtub. By the way, Don, didn't you think that the amount of debris was several stories high? I mean, and they say in a normal controlled demolition, if it's like 20 stories, about four will remain. I mean, the whole junk occupies what four stories used to occupy. Right. So I was under the impression that that was true also. Maybe I didn't try to work out the percentages. By the way, I didn't care. As soon as I heard of it, this was, I lived in Australia, remember? So I was watching it on TV there. And also my relatives phoned me from America down there and said, look, Mary, two buildings fell. And now they say that the American Express building will fall. I like Mary. I liked my name. Oh, well, and John, John Lawler also says uh, he worked there on the 88th floor in the 80s. Oh, okay. Okay. So how was it, John? Can he talk? Is this a... No, no. Forth. Well, he can answer back if he wants to answer. Yeah. So, did you? Cheapers. Did you feel scared up there? Oh, and by the way, Judy Woods has a big story about the jumpers. So let me mm, ask. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. What does Judy Woods say about that? Since you haven't even read pages one through seventy-eight, then mm. you don't know what she said about it. So I'll ask you: How many jumpers altogether do you think? I think they claimed over 200, I believe. Oh, you did know that. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. We saw the odd one falling. I thought maybe six. Yeah. Well, they stopped showing them, supposedly. You know, yeah. They sure did. Because she gives, she produces interviews with, you know, like firemen on the ground. And, and three people of the one, I don't mean she went, went out with a microphone interviewing. She's using someone's material, but never mind. Uh, it recorded soon after. Okay, so those... Three men each said, not not in cahoots, apparently with each other, it was raining people. What a thought, yeah. huh? It was raining people. So uh, since John Lawler worked on the 88th, I wonder if he ever looked down. Even if I looked down, say, five stories, I well, what, well, I don't know what Judy says about it, but my, my contention always from the beginning is I didn't, and I'll have in my upcoming uh, hit, uh, the next uh, version of Hidden History that I thought was going to be Hidden History Three, but uh, I found out that the first. Did you know the first jumper that's recorded as jumping? This was in their official uh, report. I forget what official report but it was in some report that they, the government did. They they claimed the first. I believe it was four minutes after the first plane struck. Now you mean to tell me? That people, some human being became suicidal four minutes after a plane hit. I don't believe that 200 people, I, I refuse to believe that that many people could become suicidal that fast, would lose hope, would think that the building was going to collapse. Wouldn't they have a hope they were going to be rescued? What, what does Judy think about? That's what yeah, I think. Judy I, does have something to say. Because she's going with the Tesla, she is saying that they were receiving and she points out there wasn't fire on those high floors, right? That nobody's right. claiming no fire. Right. So they weren't, oh, I'm so hot, I can't stand it anymore. No. She says they might have been running away from a space denial weapon and 
by God, we had that in Australia just two months ago, approximately. Time flies, it may have been four months. And many protesters showed up in Canberra. Now, Canberra is an isolated spot halfway between Melbourne and Sydney. Those thousands of people had to go to great trouble just to get there. And once there, they were doing nothing more than gathering on the lawn. And by God, the police came along with something that I have seen in the context of Iraq. Imagine us doing this to the Iraqis. Mm. It sends out a signal, and it's called space denial. Isn't that cute? It denies you the space you want to stand in as a protester because you cannot stand the feeling of this stuff on your skin, so you mm. run. And she made the... She's not pushing it heavily, but she says maybe those people up there were had to get away from this thing. It was so bad they had to get away, even if it meant, as you say, suiciding. And she thought maybe none of them made a conscious decision to jump. But she also shows a picture. Let's say the building is here. Now, a man falling down should be close to the building. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. He's kind of far out from the building. And she, yes explains that as part of the force that was happening there. Well, that's what, that's what, what I, I, I know the let's roll forums uh, who used to put up, but again, they're there to do some dubious stuff too. And they infight, but they had a whole section on uh, analyzing the jumpers. And I was really impressed with the fact that one in particular, they said, I mean, he, he was so far, it would have been humanly impossible to jump that far out from the building. You just couldn't do that. And so that has to be explained in some way. Either, again, you go into the hoax element that these were not real jumpers and they're they're showing these things for whatever to try to increase the terror about what happened <laughs> or what or, or it's something like Judy Wood says. But it's definitely not natural. When you jump out, you're going to stay close to the building. You can't possibly jump that far out into space. Right. Okay. Maybe after page 79, I'll be able to come back to another show if you'll ever have me again after my technological... Oh, of course. Why wouldn't I have you? <laughs> okay. Continuing to read the mantra after the word bathtub. The method was either directed energy or mini nukes. By the way, a friend of mine says he favors the mini nuke. He does know about the Judy one. Simply because, and this is a good argument, the literature apparently shows many... Employees in the building, maybe John Muller, complaining that um, he's just talking to me again, but I'm not going to answer that one just yet. Oh no, I, I'm, no, I'm just I'm just putting these up there. They're not talking. I even no read it. I'll get distracted. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, um, now I'm completely distracted from what we were arguing. What were we arguing? I'm sorry. Well, you were talking about you were talking about uh, I talked about the jumpers, and then I don't know. I think you were talking about mini nukes, which is that's uh, Jim Fetzer's thing. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So this friend of mine, and not Jim Fetzer, somebody else, and he's a reasonable. This guy looks around at what's available, and he said because many employees in the building said, and I remember reading this way back too, that they were prevented. They couldn't go in on weekends, even though some of them had a key and they could have gone to their office. That was not allowed. And they couldn't go at night, even though some of the companies employed a full night shift of like accountants who was bringing in the visa card from the day's purchases, you know, whatever. It were people who couldn't work and that became publicly known. So that would slightly tend in the direction of explosives in the building whereas for miss judy i think she believes it came from above 
maybe satellite or something. I don't know. Uh, but the, the hit came completely from outside and did not require that anyone have missed their working schedule for two, for two weeks before. So, you know, I don't want to make any vote on that because I'm totally unqualified. And uh, I don't want to vote on the thermite either, except I believe that many people are now kicking it out. But even that, I mustn't just say I'm picking up on the fact that since others have rejected it, that I'll read. No, I'd have to know more about that. Do you know about the thermite? Does that ring a bell to you? Thermite? Well, they said both. Well, I think that isn't that what the, I think the architects and engineers talk about that. But explain the different, uh, the mini nukes are basically associated with Fetzer. Judy Woods believes what she believes, which I'm still not sure of it. Yeah, but ex explain thermite, whatever, explain the different theories to people, right. as you know. <laughs> Here comes this book, if I could hold it up, it's called America Nuked on 9-11. And Jim Fetzer, in, in addition to being one of the editors, there are two editors, and many authors in here, many, but he also contributed a few chapters. And towards the end, he says, so I don't know what to read into this, but he said, I had Miss Judy Wood on my show 15 times, and I gave her a five-star Amazon review of the book. By the way, her book is called, Where Did the Tower, Where Did the Towers Go? I think it was Where Did the Towers Go, yeah. And, um, really good book up to page 78 and and he um in that book holds forth that he had been a judy wood supporter and and then he switched over to the mini nuke and he's a smart guy i mean we're not talking about somebody just guessing you know he, he looks into it deeply but i don't didn't bother to pursue what his reason is for choosing the mini nukes okay now the on the board it says i say that there was no way a plane went through of course that's a good point and now i'll tell you about australia you probably won't believe now you have okay. to remember that rupert murdoch owns all the news including all the small tabloids like you know for the gardening club or for the lgbt or whatever all those little small magazines he seems to own them too if for no other reason than he initially bought up all the printers ink and <laughs> now, under this theory of the plane, when I was in Australia watching it on my 19-inch black and white TV, <laughs> that this was on the 7.30 news, the only channel I ever watched was just somewhat like an educational public one, but don't you worry about that. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> they showed the plane goes in here, and it comes out here, and when it came out, it still had very much the form of a jumbo, just like the shape. Nothing broken, nothing broken. That in itself might tell you that we are looking at doctored photos here. <laughs> and as it came out, almost immediately, it sort of, I can't think of the word, not disintegrated, but little pieces went everywhere. Do you remember the, the Cape Cavanaugh, or maybe it was one of the other launching positions, where the thing went off, and the school teacher, who is a New Hampshire girl, right from here in Concord, New Hampshire, her name is Christina McCullough. Oh, that was a Challenger woman, Christina McCullough? Yeah. So when the Challenger is up there, it sort of did that too. It, like, I can't think of, maybe we don't mm -hmm. even have a word for it. But, mm. Disintegrated, yeah. Yeah, it just disappeared. And so Rupert Murdoch, I give him credit here 
doesn't want to take credit, but I give him credit for showing that the building went in one side, came out the other. This is on my television screen, 19 years black and white. And when it came out, it still had the absolutely identifiable shape with which it went in, which please. But when it happened, I was stupid enough to say, I said, oh, that's going to be fascinating to the physicists at Adelaide University. They're all going to be talking about this more. You know, we didn't know that you could do that. <laughs> we seen it, we know. So, Mr. John Lawler, you say there's no way of playing with it. Of course, it couldn't go through. Uh, okay. Now, oh, by the way, I have a friend in Shanghai, and she's much younger than I, so she was probably like 12 when it happened. And she said, <laughs> when the plane hit the building, instead of going through, this is for the Shanghai audience, it fell, which really is what would happen if some anything hit a building like that. It would fall apart. All right, someone mm -hmm. is talking with me. The towers went into the bathtub. The dustification that would. Oh, that's Steve, Steve, Steve Cameron, my buddy. Good to see you, Steve. Yeah. Good to see you, Steve. Was. I don't quite get this. You, Don, tell me what he's telling you now. I'll, I'll. Well, he said the, the towers went into the bathtub below the WTC. The dustification that Judy Wood talks about was for, I guess maybe that's the word. Somebody else over here said the word where you're looking for was emulsify. But either way, uh, Har uh, Riley says from uh, our good friend Riley. Uh, but the cr crushed concrete that was poured into the 110 above ground floors not from the steel beams. He was basically was saying it was the, the, not the steel beams. I, there's, there's so many, again, there's so many, this is why it was never investigated. And so we can theorize, we can say there's people that believe it was um, uh, laser beams. There are people who believe it was a hologram. There are people that believe that 9-11 was the buildings were empty, that a lot of this was fake. I mean, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all that? Shall we discuss Sandy Brook? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of concept, yeah. I will happily put my reputation on there being no event occurring. Well, also, you're, you're, so you're one of those people saying it. Then. Well, you know, one of the most incredible things was uh, uh, one of the witnesses, the witnesses that they identify, that they, they've interviewed that, that day, especially the, you know, right after it happened. And one of them was a girl named Rachel, I can't remember her last name, but Anyhow, she ended up, uh, that was uh, 2001, it ended up whenever Tiger Woods scandal. No, that was later. That, that, it's like 2013 or 2014. They, oh, they just had the 10th anniversary. It was 2013. Oh, no, Sandy Hook. Yeah, but I'm talking about, as for 9-11, the people that they, even that they interviewed then, one of the people they identified was a, a woman named Rachel something, I forget, but she... Later, about 2010, whenever Tiger Woods' scandal came where he was discovered to have all these mistresses, one of, the, one of his mistresses was this woman, Rachel, that was interviewed after 9-11. So I'm skeptical, you know, because the odds against that are pretty pretty severe that some random person suddenly yeah. pops up in two big events like that. Here's my book, Unreality, Sandy Hook Messes Minds, Okay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I have many books. I have about 16 books. Pretty soon I'm going to have 17. Okay. Having a baby next week. Um, we can talk about that some other time if I'm invited back. All right, um, now in the motto, we love you, Mary. We love you, Mary. <laughs> in the motto, I said, because the method was 
either directed energy or many nukes, it was very high tech and therefore not available to the alleged hijackers. I mean, you have to have seven degrees from Berkeley to be in charge of that operation if it happened like that. So I say, therefore, it doesn't matter when they attended flight school or whether Bin Laden's brother Salim was escorted out of the US on September 12th or anything else. And I'm calling this my motto. I want this is my takeaway for today. I hope John Lawler and all the others will take it away. And that is, think about this. The story that we were hit by foreign terrorists is fake. And so is the phrase, we must defeat them militarily in the Middle East. Now that's a huge amount of fakery, isn't it? And then I say at the bottom, all that matters is that dozens of persons in the US government were aware of 9-11 before it happened and hundreds more were willing after the fact to engage in cover-up of the truth and in the production of fake stories. I don't know the method by which such people got controlled, but we have laws that can deal with every aspect of 9-11. I'm really big on law and there's, there's no inability of our laws to cover. And, you know, Reinick, have you been following Reiner Fulmick? This has to do with uh, Reiner, he, he's been on my show before, okay. yes. Well, he made a big mistake, I think, and it actually causes me to worry about him because he's too smart to have made this mistake. Well, one mistake was going to the ICC, but at least that shows the world that he tried and that they turned him away, and that in itself is very... Uh, when I say ICC, I mean something to which the U.S was a party to its design in the late 1990s, but when the moment came to sign, which I think was 2002, we said, no, we're not going to be in that, as if we ever would have been willing to have our leaders dragged before a foreign court. And on that note, I'll go off on a track a little bit about Augusto Pinochet. Okay. I believe that what happened there, I'm arguing, I want to finish my Fulmic story. He brought the crime up of crime against humanity. Big mistake. You should go for small crimes. Like right now they're saying Mr. Trump cheated on his taxes or something. Anybody that was part of this cover-up, you get them for fraud just on something they did about the cover-up that was a fraud. You don't have to say crimes against humanity. As soon as you say that, you're making the uh, evidence requirement way too high you know you can't meet it and also the very word crime against humanity isn't on the books as domestic law in the united states and probably not in many individual societies but it is in international law but for me international law is meaningless there is no one to enforce it it's it's forget it but that was a mistake for him to choose that crime. I say choose whatever crime you can use, even if it wouldn't give the vast punishment that you might want to give to Donald Rumsfeld, say. But you've got something on him that you can use and disgrace him in that way. Now, that was a side effect from something. Where were we before we went on the side effect? No, well, you're, 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 it's, it's fine. You were talking all the, the Chris Graves has asked about calls. I'd love to take calls, Chris, but I think Tony... I, Tony has not, whatever reason, we don't know why on StreamYard, uh, when people call in, they can, I can hear them and they can hear Tony, but Tony has to be there, but they can't hear me. 
or something. Yeah, we they can't we can't talk, and then I have to give my answer afterwards. I don't know why that is. So Tony, if you're out there listening, you think there's some way you can do it. If you have free time, I'm sure that would be great. But um, I love taking calls. Hopefully, when we go to freefm.com, we'll be able to figure out how to do it. But you you've got all kinds of so you you you're your, so your belief, you're one of the people that believe that 9-11 was basically a, a, beyond a false flag. 9-11 didn't happen. What do you think happened on that? Oh, no, no, it was a false flag. And it, I think most of the stuff happened. Um, I okay, I, miss, I didn't mean to misrepresent it then. I, th I thought that's what I heard you say. But Don, what do you think happened then? Don. Yeah. I want you to know that 9-11 has never been an area that I've really studied uh, for one thing, I heard that there were so many, and there was even a website thing called Research Commons. Do you remember that? And I thought, oh, well, you've got 10 professors sitting there working hard at this. What's the point of me? I don't know. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Plus, I was also busy on many other things. I've had four false flag books that I wrote. And as you know, one is Boston Marathon, one is Sandy Hook, and the other two are Australian Port Arthur and the Sydney Siege. And I worked hard on those, and I was mostly using court transcripts. That's my best way of. Mm -hmm. Oh come on, John! You, you've got it. You've got a secret admirer there, John Law. Well, John my Lawler always likes my shirts too, so maybe he's just a real nice guy. But John, <laughs> no, the word "love" is in uppercase there. Capital letter "love." Okay. Thank you, John. You've made, I'm so excited by this that you've made me forget what to say. Okay, my 9/11 work was flimsy, and I didn't mean it to be otherwise, it's not my field. But going back to the early days, we did hear some things that were sufficient to tell us that the fact that on October 7th, we attacked the nation of Afghanistan, specifically for its involvement, remember, because they were harboring bin Laden, who had done 9-11, and Anybody would know an army cannot get ready between September 11th and October 7th. You can't do that. And a guy from Pakistan who was speaking to the BBC, but I think he was a diplomat of some degree, and he said, no, we, we were arguing about the pipeline all that time. They, they told us by October we'd go in because of the pipeline. So because I was so um, jaded, I guess I'm jaded, not jaded enough, though. And therefore, I didn't have to say who did what. It's just obvious that it's a fake, but I don't mean fake in the sense of every picture we saw. I don't think it was right. fake. And the amount of dust. If you go and look at YouTube for a video that's called From the Hudson River. So somebody's out there in a boat, and they're looking at Manhattan, and they see a scene of the smoke worse than what most people saw from looking down from midtown, whereby everything's going up. This black, oh, very dark gray smoke was billowing all over the place. Uh, and people were trying to get home to Brooklyn and they were having to go on little ferries. Do you remember that? Yeah. So anyway, mm -hmm. from That's that awesome. scene, you see weird stuff. And I was never, I never saw that one until like a week ago, and it's because of Judy Wood. So let me get back onto Judy's story again for a minute. Sure. It looks good to me. And although I'm not technically qualified, I can reason, I can work out arguments. And her one thing that really grabbed me was the bathtub was not 
ruined, which it should have been if we're pancaking all this. She thinks, uh, 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 did she say a million tons? Each building had 500 tons of material. And at the end of the day, there was no sign of a pen, a telephone, a desk, a chair, nothing. And by the way, the U.S. was putting out little stories about finding somebody's credit card. And come on. Anyway, now moving past the bathtub story and the jumpers story, she has another sort of proof. And that has to do with the seismic signal. And in this case, which I put down the figures, she was lucky that there were two points of comparison that she could make. And one was that in January of 2001, there had been a small earthquake near Midtown Manhattan. So they were able to tell you how many, um, how, how, what number on the Richter scale it, it earned. And then she said, we also dug up the information from a 2006 case of a controlled demolition in Seattle of a building that is known as the Kingdom. And I think maybe it was just a high rise apartment building or something, but it was publicly decided we're gonna knock it down. And as they knocked it down, they were able to recognize how much of a seismic signal it made. And she said that Kingdom building uh, was worth 2.3. Now she says, since it was a fairly low building and had a much wider base than, you know, those towers in New York were pretty skinny. So mm -hmm. here's this other building with more space to fall into and less lower falling down. And that it came out to be, I mean, no one is saying it was an earthquake, but when you have something land on the ground like that, it can be treated like one. And it was worth two. 2.3, but she worked out, and I would trust her mathematically, though it's not for me to tell anyone else to trust Judy's math if I couldn't do that math myself, and I can't, but it looked like she was doing it right, and she said, working out how many tons were alleged to have come down, it should have been 3.8 on the Richter scale. So that's an interesting thing. And similarly, for the January 2001 event of a small earthquake in Midtown, similarly, the signal of that, now remember, that's a genuine earthquake. And on that one, you get to hear the signal before the trouble begins, right? If someone's going to knock down a skyscraper, God has no way of knowing. <laughs> how to register that a few minutes in advance. By the way, I have a friend who has epilepsy and she has a wonderful dog and the dog wasn't trained as a service dog, but now it's qualified to be one. I don't know how he got his talent, but apparently the dog can pick up what's in the air, namely coming from her brain. So she's doing you know, electrical things in her brain before she falls or has a seizure. And he, when he sees that coming, he pushes her over toward the sofa or the bed so she's not going to fall. So, of course, that's a very valuable trait in that dog. But it tells you that the dog can pick up what's going to happen before it happens. So back to the earthquake in midtown Manhattan. There were seismic signals happening before 
we discovered, hey, it was an earthquake. Um, <laughs> and that didn't happen on the day of 9-11. So that's just another one of her proofs. So from her book so far, I only got the bathtub story, the jumper story, and the seismic signal. But I looked up on Amazon to see how the reviews were doing, and most of them are pretty heartily in her favor. And one guy says, I'm a pilot, and don't you know about Hurricane Erin? So did you ever hear that one, John? Hurricane no, Erin? I think earlier they mentioned Judy Wood is the only one that mentioned the hurricane. Oh, OK. Well, this pilot said, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm interviewing the author of a book on what? Arthur Nessica, oh, I'd, I'd be interested to oh, know. Yeah, no, that's true. I just I just put up comments. We had tons of comments, oh, and I don't want to distract you too much, so I'm not putting too many of them up. Chris Graves, Chris Graves, if you would kindly email me, that's Maxwell Mary LLB at Gmail. Then I'll talk to you about that person. I'm very keen. Port Arthur Massacre occurred in 1996. About 24, maybe even 30 people were killed. The poor boy. Martin Bryant is still in jail. He's gone from age 28 now up to 53, I think. And it's so pathetic. I mean, he did not do it, of course. And, well, they say it was an early attempt. I'm trying to think which ones came first. Dunblane. Anybody know when Dunblane was? 95, 96. They were close. So whether yeah. Dunblane was like a practice session, do you know what I mean by Dunblane? In Scotland, mm -hmm. 20, 16 first graders were killed and they Oh, teachers. that was, I remember, I remember that incident. I didn't know, but yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And everybody took it very seriously um, in Australia because, you know, we were a little bit more English. <laughs> sure. England minded or UK minded. And this was in Scotland. And um, when that happened, it was either seen to be, and, and they pulled the gun control right away afterwards. The, it's the mothers, but the neighbors were, perhaps we, they were handed a large check. You know, if you'll stand there tomorrow with a sign saying, we need gun control, we, yeah. we'll make your life nice. They might have said, and if you don't, we'll make your life not nice. And uh, so either that one was pushing towards the Port Arthur or vice versa, excuse me, I cannot remember, but they were close in time. They were like four months apart. And immediately also in Australia, guns were bought back. Prime Minister John Howard says, anything you're hiding out in your uh, barn, I believe that some remote living people were allowed to keep their gun against animals, I don't know, but everybody else was turning them in for money and it was like a billion dollar or more expense to the government to buy back the guns because after all if that retarded boy in port arthur was going around just killing 24 people you can be sure that others will do it too oh, dear. so long story short chris graves my little old email address is maxwell mary llb at gmail well, I contact Chris a lot, so I'm sure. But, but before I forget, guys, if you're watching, like with lots of people commenting on YouTube, lots of people watching, please crush the like button. Give me some likes and also uh, on Rockfin as well. Although I don't know if we'll keep this up on YouTube or not. Rockfin, and I don't know if any, is anybody, anybody in the YouTube or Rockfin chat, do you know, is, uh, is anybody watching over on Rumble? I can't bring up three chats at once, but please give it a like on uh, Rockfin. Give it a like on YouTube and wherever you're watching it. Appreciate it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mary. Well, I'll get back to the 
<clears throat> I want to get back to this guy. Okay. It would be worth your while to buy this paperback, but there is no paperback. The author gave me this copy. It's only Kindle. For that, I okay. think you have to have a Kindle machine, don't you? You can usually download the, uh, the software on any kind oh. of a computer. Yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, you can, for $9.95 at Amazon, you can get the Kindle of this. Absolutely worth it. It's called America's Betrayal Confirmed. And there's this picture here of Statue of Liberty, and she's crying because her country has been betrayed. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we're talking about here? That's and sure. his subtitle of it is 9-11, Purpose, Cover-Up, and Impunity. And um, impunity, of course, is the name of the game. And back to Trump's being arrested. I'm so opposed to impunity, which means you don't punish anyone. You just let them go. <laughs> I'm so opposed to that that I think it's, on on the face of it, a good thing that a famous person is going to be grilled uh, now at the impeachment and also at the so-called January 6th committee, what do you call it, congressional hearing or something. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to play fair. There was no due process on either position. No, <clears throat> no one had to actually force um, Liz Cheney to say, well, where did you get that information? And here's my contrary evidence. And so that's all been a joke so far. And that was very bad. And it was, I even blame Rand Paul and I never blame him for anything. God knows he is holding the, holding the country together. But do you recall there were two impeachments of Mr. Trump? Yes. And I think the second one, which occurred Close to his the next. Yeah, it was right. Right, they just did it right before he went out of office. It was yeah. symbolic. Yeah. <laughs> and during that one, the House comes up with its little articles. He did naughty one, naughty two, naughty three, and then the Senate should try it. And Rand Paul said, "No, we're not going to do that because we, at that moment, had. Do you remember that the Republicans had fifty-one or something? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so he knew." He could just declare, he and the other 49, could say, thank you, but the man is innocent. And then, so they didn't look at the evidence, but that really set a bad precedent. They should have done that. And also it tells the people, you can get away, Congress can act like that and nobody can get it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah. that was an aside. That's right. so, you're, so you're talking about that book that you were holding up, and you're also oh, going to talk about that book. Thank you. Thank you. The word <laughs> impunity got me started. This is a marvelous book. Marvelous. I know this guy well. I'm afraid I just put it in the past tense. I knew this guy well. He died last year in Germany. And because down in Australia, we were his sort of pal who could print things in English for him. And so in Germany, he publishes Jim. And um, and also he was in Iceland for many years and he publishes in Icelandic, which nobody much on the continent can read. But down in Australia, we got all the incoming stuff from him in English. And his research is so thorough. Whatever subject matter he takes up, he would prefer not to say anything about it. And he won't. You can't drag it out of him until he has reached the point at which he feels He's got it. And he's got it. And 
although he says he, like me, he cannot take a position on the Judy Woods technology, he can't say, I know it was Tesla. He certainly says there was no controlled demolition. And I was very surprised because I thought that was the going conspiracy theory story that it was done by, as Oklahoma City certainly was. And by the way, don't forget that in 1993, we have the, you know, down in the basement of the WTC, billion dollars. And FB, an FBI sting that, yeah, that was, uh, the guy tried to back out of it. He, I wrote about the industry, yeah. And the guy had it in his pocket in those days. They didn't make you go through a metal detector as you walked over to get an ice cream at Dairy Queen. And by the way, in the New Hampshire State House, isn't this amazing? You just mm -hmm. walk in the door. Nobody asks you to show what's in your bag and nobody touches. <laughs> and this is a state where you can do open carry and concealed carry. So that's my little thing for, it's a beautiful state house, as I suppose most of them are, but this one's really nice. Um, <laughs> you know I've gone off my track again. Why was I talking about that? I do that all the time, Mary. That's what I, people listen to the show know that I, I go from subject to subject uh, constantly. <laughs> Any thought of why I was going into the state house? Well, you were talking about that book and the guy that died a year ago. And you were, so yeah. what, what, what is, what's in that book? What does he say as opposed to Judy Wood's directed energy oh, weapons? Okay. Or whatever? Actually, John, that's why I wanted to come on this show more than the Judy Wood thing. Although Judy Wood knocked me dead. It's only been in my life for like two weeks, all right? I didn't know before that that, it, that we didn't pancake our way down and that therefore something much more interesting is happening. Mm -hmm. And so this boy also, Elias Davidson is his name, was his name. And uh, he said, the, the, main, the main thing I wanted to share with you today, two other proofs that he has of the fakery, and it's not, not related to the tall buildings, it's something else. He told me originally, and I published it years ago, I published it in 2014 in an interview with him, which you could find at gumshoenews.com. Gumshoe. And he had written at that time a book called Hijacking America's Mind. Now I'm going to go off the track, and so please, when I ask you where I was, you tell me about the interview. <laughs> so the thing is this, his book is... That book was not nicely written. I mean, it didn't flow along, but the current one does. The name of the current one again is America's Betrayal Confirmed. His name, Elias Davidson. But when he sold his other book called Hijacking America's Mind on 9-11, it was strictly about the phone calls. And he went through every one of each person who either claimed they were a crew member of the stewardess is phoning her boss down on the ground, or mummy is phoning her son, or whatever. And he, he carefully, as only he can be careful, went through each of them. And yes, this is your cute daughter to remind me where I was going. Ah, the interview. Okay, so in, even in that interview with me, we talked about the Todd Beamer phone call. Yes. You can yak all you want about whether you thought he's genuine or whether his dad worked for, what's that global, one of the big corporations? 
Uh, well, I don't. I don't. The thing about that is, that, you know, the why Todd Beamer. Why did he choose supposedly? If we're supposed to believe the ridiculous phone call, the last phone call, he chose to stay on the line with an operator. And, and when she said, "Well, I'm going to transfer you to your wife," no, no, I'll stay home with you. you know, <laughs> that's normal behavior, isn't it? That's what we're supposed to believe. <laughs> anyway, he's up there, and I mean, he's not up there. So my friend Elias Davidson said this to me in 2014. And he had put it in his book called Hijacking America's Mind. And if you're really a fanatic for reading every detail of the phone calls, go get that book. And he said that Edward Ballinger, B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R, an employee of United Airlines, was on duty that morning. And his job, or UA, was to control 16 flights that were going from the East Coast to the West Coast. And when I say control, I don't know how it works, but he was in charge of 16 flights, one of which was, um, I mean, two of the United flights. Were they all headed for the Los Angeles or something? You know, uh, uh, well, except one, yeah, I don't know where the one crashed in Pennsylvania was, where if that where that was headed for, but the others, are, I think, were headed for uh, Los Angeles, supposed to be, I think. Okay, so the one out of Boston, which is UA 175, should have hit the towers, and the other one that he was in charge of was UA um, 77, I think, which is the Shanksville. And in both cases, he can show, and he did show. It, probably answering a questionnaire from the commission or whatever. But as I have found in my study of medicine, such as royal commissions in England on the smallpox vaccine in 1740, not 1740. <laughs> now you're going way 18, back. <laughs> uh, in fact, it would be 1850 because Russell Wallace was the complainer and he was Charles Darwin's um, rival in 1859. So anyway, uh, you have these royal commissions, and maybe that was where Ballinger was asked to explain how he was managing these 16 flights. And he said that as soon as the first one hit, and I'd like now to tell you which hit, okay, in you've got the North Tower and the South Tower. So the North was first hit at, I'll say, quarter to nine. It was like 8.46, but call it roughly, quarter to nine. And then the next guy over here, South Tower, gets hit at nine. And then that one was the first to collapse for some reason. So at 10 in the morning, he goes down, or Judy says he goes up. And the other guy fell at 10.30. So this is the time frame here. Now the man is not an air traffic controller, and he's not watching on the radar screen where his guys are going. I think he depends on speaking to any of the pilots um, of the 16 that could even be now as far away as Montana or whatever, Utah. And he's talking to them to ask if they have a problem. So he learned, maybe on radio, that there might be a hijacking. And he had a way of, uh, I guess, a code that they had all agreed on to say something like, how are you doing, boys? You know, so you wouldn't give it away to the what do you call the bad pilot, the, the interfering pilot who would see this in, and by the way, when Mr. Ballinger sends his message, it rings a bell to the pilots to make them realize there's a message, or it comes off in a printer right there sitting right next to his seat in the cockpit. So 
the message was something like, um, okay, boys, let me know if, you know, you know, let me know. And that was their, he, he then would wait for a reply, though he didn't get one. But he sent it to all his men. I think the idea was, you only call me back if you, if there's something to tell me. Right, right. So all 16 messages went out and they all, he knows when they were received because they are sent through something called remote ground stations, RGS, remote ground stations. And he gets a message back showing, let's say that he knew for sure the guy was going to Chicago out of Boston. It would show that he is stopping maybe at Pennsylvania, Ohio. And as he gets in close to where he should be at that moment, which is maybe Chicago, it'll be apparent to him that the message went from the ground. He sent it and it went down into the ground and it went up from that ground station, that RGS, the one near Chicago. So he knows first that his pilot received it and where approximately was he near, to which ground station was he nearest. So this man, Edward Ballinger, said that the one that became the let's roll, let's roll the flight. Yes, the, let's roll. That's Todd Beamer. UA 93, something, 93? Yeah, 93, right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so flight 93. I think I'm slightly mixing up something from Elias. I want to tell the Elias thing first. Elias says that, and this was when he was examining the phone calls, and that's a book that he published in 2013 called Hijacking America's Mind. He said that the phone calls were released to the public really through a trial, a criminal trial of Zacharias Musawi. Yes, yes. And in that thingy, they showed that the call to Miss Barbara Olson, from Miss Barbara Olson, lasted for zero seconds. Well, that's interesting, because in zero seconds, you can't say, husband, they got box cutters, box cutters, okay? See you, love you, bud. And the other guy that he could, that Elias talked about at that time, was that the um, one that is Let's Roll Flight, supposedly taught Beamer, that it stayed active for many phone calls after the time of the crash in Shakespeare. <clears throat> well, we've known for all that time, and you wouldn't have seen any FBI, what do you call what Mr. Trump is going through, indictments. There weren't any investigations or indictments of that very fascinating statement, which just tells you the whole thing is a fraud. But this other guy, besides Elias, Edward Ballinger, is now talking uh, and saying, that as the commander of that thing, that his RSGs could tell you where those two, see there's four planes, but two belong to United, uh, belong to American Airlines and he only works for United. He can tell you where they got their messages. And in both cases, it wasn't near the New York City. So they weren't hitting the towers. Thank you very much. One of them, the big one, UA-175, wasn't hitting the tower and the other guy, going to let's roll, he wasn't near the Shanksville location where he allegedly did his let's roll thing. So that is a lot of information. And really the stunning part of it is that nobody follows up, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we, there's lots of been, lots of been great comments in the YouTube. Chris, uh, Chris Graves is on top of these things. One, one of the flights is supposed to go to San Francisco, the other three to LA. And what was notable, and I talked about this in my book is that there were no relatives waiting for those flights in California. And that, again, this is where you go down the rabbit hole. Does that sound remotely believable to anyone? But wouldn't they have been due to arrive at that location quite a few yes, times yeah, later? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, I don't know that the news had was, uh, you know, how fast it traveled or whatever, but, the, uh, you know, there, even the Willie Brown commented on that by Willie Brown, by the way, one of, one of many people who, it, people with any kind of power who were told not to fly that day. So, which is, you know, there's, there's lots of indications of people. And then also, uh, about the phone calls, Steve Cameron and, uh, Kat were going back and forth with it. Uh, about the, uh, he says Olson's husband first claimed he answered the call because he saw the caller ID it was his wife. I recall exactly. I went over this uh, in in hidden history, and they basically tell you these phone calls were impossible in that time because they like five years after nine eleven or something. They came out with saying, "We hope these calls will be will be able to make these kinds of calls by two thousand and ten or whatever that they supposedly made that day, and no nobody questions them. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I can top you, I can top your story of the relatives not visiting the airport. In Boston, now this must have been years later, I, I must have been reading a contemporary September 01 account, but it was in the Boston Globe, and it said that at that morning, now remember, the people lifted off the ground at before, well before 8 45, which is the first hit, and the second hit, uh, 9.03. So it, to get that far to be in the hit, you had to have, I don't know what time the official leaving was, but let's say it was around 8. And if you're going to take a flight at 8 and your husband is going to drive you to take it, he will whiz by the, at the parking lot area and say goodbye to you around 7, right? Because you have to be in there and do your passport and all that. So mm -hmm. there'd be no reason for families of those who went off on the flights to be mourning or having an anxiety attack at the airport. By the time they had well left the territory of Logan Airport, East Boston, they would have been listening on the radio. And also, since we thought we might be at war, right? Mm -hmm. You'd go home. You weren't gonna go hang out in an airport. But the Boston Globe reported as if it was a nice little human interest story that right. Catholic priests, I'm sorry, this is my church, but I'm sorry, but Catholic yeah, priests too. and Red Cross workers uh, or Salvation Army, I think it's Red Cross, were the, went ran out to the airport to sit there to console or otherwise, you know, help the relatives. There couldn't have been relatives there. That is stupid. And how many readers of Boston Globe didn't think? I mean, maybe many did, think, as I did. And hey, wait a minute. And that was in the days when I still thought the thing happened. I mean, it was just so obvious to me. The priests are going over there. No, no, no. The priests did not go there. They wouldn't go there. So it's just a crap story from the... <clears throat> Well, then, and you, then you have, I don't know if you remember, I, I talked about all this in the industry. You had that human interest story that they ran about the two women who perished on separate planes that day, supposedly, who always flew together for decades. They were great friends. They always flew together. That day, though, 
they couldn't get a seat together. At the same time, the same media is telling us that all the planes were like 20, 30% capacity. So there was room on every flight, and yet they claim that these women couldn't, they couldn't find room together. And nobody questions it. They, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Maybe they throw out a lot of these, maybe they have in contests amongst. Well, they do. Them. They they do. They throw these things out. They like, they like to, uh, I call them calling cards. Somebody mentioned earlier about them, the magical passport, you know, that is whatever happened to the twin towers, they were, you know, pulverized into dust and uh, everything was a ground seal beams, but somehow Muhammad Adda's passport came out intact to be found there. So it's a, oh, his will and his will was in the suitcase. His will. Yeah, but sure. I mean, he didn't get up there. Luckily enough for history, so we could amazing. read what he wanted in his will. It was in this a little car in the airport. Wrong airport, by the way. It was in Boston, and he got it's on amazing. a plane. Now here's the main thing on Edward Ballinger. Okay whom I told you seems like a nice guy. I'm reading from page 151 of Elias Davidson's America's, um, America's Betrayal Confirmed. He says, for some reason, Ballinger was kept in the dark about the role played by United Airlines Flight 175, for which he was responsible. He was forced to retire from United Airlines on 31 October 2001, weeks after the event, and put on total disability by a psychiatrist of the Social Security Administration. Now, he was able to hold such a responsible job as watching 16 planes and he's mental. I don't think so. Isn't that no, right. Absolutely. And yeah, Chris, Chris Buckin said it was less than 20% capacity in all of them, which is, and it, again, people. It seemed mathematically impossible. Very strange that so many. And uh, Chris Graves and I have talked a lot about uh, the the number of celebrities, celebrated figures who who were supposed to fly on one of those planes that day and backed out. Seth MacFarlane and tons of these other people. That uh, very strangely, you know, first of all, there were that many famous people. Why were they going to be flying on these planes? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But I can give you maybe a reason for the low popularity on the. Plane. And that is, if they're in Boston and people in California want to come to Boston, you do have to send the plane over to get them. So even if you only had a few customers, you'd still be obliged to get your vehicle. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the whole thing. Uh, so many of these things Chris is talking on here about the, the little boy on Flight 77 that crashed into the office of the Pentagon that his father would have been in had he not taken the day off to go golf. What the irony of that you know imagine so it's, it's just these things are I, I i i'm convinced so much of this stuff is bs certainly I, i'm sorry go ahead you got I'm that selling another book here selling another book okay this costs about most of my books are about 10 bucks and they're at trine day some trine of them, day. Some yes, of them, them self self-published and they are mm -hmm. at lulu.com i think lulu.com might be a cousin of amazon and for those who don't want to deal with him. Yeah, they're self-publishing, yep. Anyway, um, here's my book called Fraud Upon the Court. And this was run in 2013. And it has in it the story of April Gallup's case. Now, wait a minute. You know April Gallup, right? She was a mother. She, it was her first day back after maternity leave. She was an enlisted soldier, but she had simply a clerical job. I don't think she was wearing uniform. 
in the Pentagon and at the very building, you know, that was like, and she was supposed to deliver her little kid first to the daycare center and then show up at the desk. And she called the boss to say she was doing that. And the boss said, no, come here first. And um, that's the whole story perhaps behind that phrase, come here first. You do realize that all big dramas have to have children die in them, right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely mandatory. And and there was no kids in the Twin Towers that I know of. But this mother had a baby and she put him, you know, next to her desk in one of those capsules or whatever you call the thing. And just at the moment of the hit of the Pentagon, which I think was could it have been ten thirty? Was it that late? Tenagon, I think, was, uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right, because it was very early in the morning where the uh, Twin Towers were hit. Yeah, that, that could be okay. it. So let's say it's 1030, and she reaches her hand onto her computer, and as she touches any key, it all happens. And she thought she had done it. I mean, you would think that, wouldn't you? But apparently she didn't do it. And then she said the rubble was all around her, and her little kid, disappeared under the rubble and she it was dark it was morning everything was closing in on you there was no light she couldn't see the kid and people were trying to help her her get out but she wanted to help the kid get out finally at the last moment she found the little kid and so she made a lawsuit for his injuries and of course the seventh amendment says she can do that but if you'll read <coughs> Marvelous book here. Marvelous brought upon the court. Judge, yeah, talk about talk talk about your own books. We have we have like ten minutes left. Show show some of the other books. Give a toot your own horn there, Mary. Okay, toot Many false um, court cases, and one of them, by the way, is the Salvo, the Boston Strangler. Who was yes, yes. But they've just come out with a movie now, so that would be like the movie in Boston called. Patriots Day, I think, and mm -hmm. one of Let's Roll. After you've been to the movie, you just can't get it out of your brain that those things happened because you saw it. <laughs> you saw it. Right. So poor old DeSalvo. Oh, my God. Talk about taking advantage of a vulnerable person. Wow, no, go, go, go. That's, that's one book. Here's another book. It's a little bit old, but it is packed with constitutional law. It's called Prosecution for Treason by Dear Mary, and the subtitle is... This, was, this came out in 2011. It's the dedication. It says, to our prodigal sons, come home, come home. That's how I feel about that, actually. I think many people who are out there doing baddies are salvageable. So the subtitle is Epidemics, Weather War. I didn't know the word weather warfare. In those days. Mind control and the surrender of sovereignty. Thank you for asking me to advertise myself, sir. Now, this is probably my hottest book, though hardly anyone knows it exists. It's called Consider the Lilies. Okay, you said you were Catholic. You know what that means, right? Consider yes, yes. Good. So, <laughs> the lilies, and therefore, why do we have cancer? And this is a review of 18 cures for cancer and their legal status. And by that, I meant, is the doctor who invented the cure now in jail? Or did he have his house burned down? Or was he in a... <laughs> <laughs> Tells you what the legal status is. Exactly. Now, this one is a sad, sad story, folks, because it's going on full blast right now in Australia. It's called Reunion 
judging the family court and the reunion, which I'm trying to organize is the mothers and the children who have been taken away from them. And keep talking. I got I to move my dog away from my wires. No, no. Keep, keep, I thought you no, said no, you have to go keep, feed the meter. No, no, keep the meter. No, 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 no. Okay. So long story short, you even though it's written about Australia, you could easily buy this. All my books are free PDF downloads. Um, but if you want it, it'll be very appropriate for the U.S. Stay with it. No, 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 no. Stay, stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. To a dog like that. A dog keeps getting into my wires and she could disconnect us here. So stay there, stay ah! there. Really... <laughs> it's my crazy uh, golden retriever. Okay, stay there. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, Ma Boston Marathon bombing. Did, did, cool. did we discuss this last time? Well, that's what we talked about last time, yeah. Well, there's the book. And while you're away helping the dog, I told people it's, my stuff is free. You know, but it's much better to have the paperback in hand. Well, who wants to look at a screen? Sure. 200 pages. Okay. So one more. Is this, <clears throat> it's called Deliverance. Not like the movie Deliverance. Remember that? Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> when they got to that scene, you know, the scene in the, that movie, I was in a theater by myself and I wanted to leave. I definitely wanted to be out of there. Yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting, let me tell you. <laughs> I couldn't stand up. My my legs were such that I could not get up and leave. Okay, so Deliverance subtitle is A Royal Commission and, okay, come here, Ryan. and Pizzagate Reveal Society's Hidden Controls. So you can imagine that Pizzagate has that effect, does it not? Come here, the audience wants to see you, right? Okay, now my, my uh, I'm sorry, Deborah, Deborah Wheels, I, I've been wanting to introduce, come here, see if I can get her. She's not very cooperative. Come up here, it's okay. Oh, it's a bone. Yes, there she is. There she is. See her, there, it's okay. Come on, come on, come on, look up. See, a little bit look up. Of see? There oh, she is, no. there's Riley, okay. That's about the best I can do. She's usually uncooperative. She's beautiful, but crazy, so. Okay. Okay, okay. Long story short, this book, Deliverance, is generally about mind control. And I'm happy, although I was not happy to call myself not only an expert for the Judy Wood stuff, but a basic ignoramus is what I am. But right. I'm happy to. No, no, stay away, Ryan. Sorry, I'm sorry. That's all right. I hold <laughs> myself available to you as an expert witness in court on mind control. That's how much I am talking. Well, myself. you know a lot about a lot of things. That's for sure. There's no question. You're very, you're so interesting. I'm trying to. There you go. There you go. Okay. All right, so uh, wrap up. I'm going to read my motto again. The point was, and it's why please. I wanted to come on the show. This is after seeing the Judy Wooder. There is my motto. My motto is that you can stop being concerned with so many things now. If we know that there was no controlled demolition, then we know that the towers came down by some very high tech means, and it could be new. Right. It could be thermite. I don't care. And could be Judy thing, but it wasn't the thing's fault. And of course, the government still says they fell, and they fell because of the fire. Even though three thousand members of A and E say no, 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 no. So here's my motto once again: the towers did not come down by the familiar process of controlled demolition, in which the floors pancake down. Rather, it pulverized or dustified. There was little debris at the bottom and no damage to the bathtub. 
I lost my box. Where did I put it? Oh, here it is. In case anyone missed it, that's the box. Which is under the building to prevent the Hudson River from coming in. Okay, so there was no damage to the bathtub, which there surely would have been if all this tonnage is breaking down. The method was either directed energy or mini nukes. Either way, it was a very high tech and not a, it was very high tech and not available to the alleged hijackers. Plus, it does not matter when they attended flight school or whether Bin Laden's brother Salim was escorted out of the U.S. on September 12th, or anything else. Plus, I'll be putting people out of their hobby happiness because I'm, you know, saying you don't have to look into these details. But for me, it's important because you can maybe talk to your aunt Tilly, who has so far been totally unwilling to discuss the details, like. The brother of Bin Laden was on a plane. There's a lot of Antilles out there, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the story of we were hit by foreign terrorists is fake. And so is we must defeat them militarily in the Middle East now that we've killed more than 100,000 people. It's a little late to say that. All that matters is that dozens of persons in the U.S. government were aware of 9-11 before it happened, and hundreds more were willing after the fact to engage in cover-up of the truth and production of fake stories. I do not know the methods by which such people get controlled, but we have laws that can deal with every aspect of 9-11. Amen. Well, Ooh, Christy, yeah. Christy Ripperger loves seeing Riley. Thank you, Christy. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, go, go. We, we only have, well, we, we can go over a few minutes since we started late, but uh, I don't want you to miss out on anything. What else did you want to talk about? He wants to laugh his ass off. He says, somebody said, this is a big plane. And then I saw the faces of yeah. some That's what they said. That's, that's a good eyesight there, boy. <laughs> okay. Any more massages you want to put up? Yeah, sure. Well, I've, I've missed a lot of them because you didn't want to be distracted. So I mean, I can't keep up with them. So there's a lot. People have been very active in YouTube. And again, I'll ask you if you're watching, I think I can see likes here and I'm not seeing any likes. So crush the like button, take an extra second. I don't know. I, I, we all like seeing likes. Um, but Mary, so we've talked about a lot of things, obviously. Uh, what, what are you, are, are you working on any, uh, since you've written all these books and I've written a lot of books, but you're, you've written more than me. Uh, what are you working on now? I'm working just on uh, getting Elias's material under control, but I'm really trying to get back to my first love, which is sociobiology. And let me tell you, that explains a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, if you want to buy a quick, easy to read, beautiful book, it was printed in 1971, so it's 52 years old. It's called The Imperial Animal, and you may have been required to read it in probably not high school, but maybe first year college, everybody was reading it. So you'll be able to get a cheap used coffee, copy, probably 75 okay. cents. And I recommend you get the hardback instead of the paperback. It's called The Imperial Animal by Lionel Tiger and his colleague Robin Fox. And it is a brilliant book. And it was popular in its day because it was fun to see what instincts do we have? Oh, we have instincts. But it's, it is so beautiful in its 
explanation of how we come to be socially organized. Though my preferred book is socio sociobiology as such, but this one, I, you don't want to read sociobiology. It's, it's well, you're right about all this interesting stuff. So, yeah, uh, Boston bombing, uh, Sandy Hook, all these things. I mean, this, and now you were talking about 9-11 here. I mean, what... What do you see? Because uh, a lot of us you know, don't think uh, a lot of us either think we're in the end times, or we don't know what's going. On, but it, things are just really—I think they're worse than they've ever been in American history. Uh, what are your feelings? You—you you obviously lived. I call the the pre nine eleven world America one and I call what we're in now America two I don't know, maybe it's 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 a completely different world. Don't you feel that? Is is what it was? You know, even thirty years ago. It's discouraging to learn the extent to which we uh, became irresponsible as to what kids get taught. Do you know, and I don't mean this latest crush of activity of teaching the kids the woke business, that's another story, but mm -hmm. we neglected to show them history, geography, math. Uh, so many of them are not. <laughs> Thank you, creative accidents. I love, yeah, Riley. I knew Riley would be popular. She is gorgeous. She's just, she's, I, I don't know what she is. They say she has autism, doggy autism. So you can imagine how great that is. But she's, uh, she's her own person, but she is a supermodel. I call her that. She's my diva. So, you know, mm -hmm. we have a close but contentious relationship sometimes. Dylan, <laughs> well, I see that it has gone past seven, and I thought I would be chopped off. But why don't we chop off? Even though okay, I okay, yeah, because we we are. I, I wanted to give you a few explanations there, but yeah, we can go because these are, uh, yeah, we're fine. Tony, if you want to come in, and Tony usually comes on, he might have a comment or question, and then he usually ends the show with the music. I can end it, but then I don't, I don't know how to put the music in. So, Tony, if you're out there, love to have your thoughts on. Let's see what else. Uh, and I, okay, Chris Bucken says I have 22 likes. Okay, so obviously I don't know what the hell is going on. I thought that sometimes on the YouTube there are these things that look like likes that show up, but uh, not today. So okay, obviously that I don't know what they are then because I can't figure out what it is. Um, let's see here, Tony. If you Tony must be busy with a customer, so we can uh, I can end the show. But um, anything Alan, else you want? Alan, you, you missed the point. If you say demo, I believe it is now provable that there was no crap in the bathtub. Therefore, you can't continue on with the regular old demo. Sorry. What, what do you think of all the, all the witnesses that heard explosions? Because there were so many people. What were they hearing? Because they reported hearing explosions, lots of firefighters and everything. I'd like to say again that I'm not married to Judy Wood. Theory. Um, the mini nukes is possible. The main thing is, though, it wasn't a pancaking collapse, and it didn't Absolutely. collapse. All that's what I say. It disappeared. That's that's my motto. That's what I say. Whatever it is, whether when people ask me the JFK assassination, they said, "Look, they lied to you. Oswald didn't do it. That's what we know. 9/11, they lied to you. It 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 wasn't a you know crazed 19 Arabs hijackers with box cutters and plastic knives." And the thing collapsed on itself. All the all the buildings did the same thing, even including Building Seven, which wasn't hit by anything. So, that's I think the good way to answer it. But uh, yeah, Tony must be busy, so we'll close out the show. Thanks everybody in the chat. Mary, do you have anything else you want to give out a link or anything at the end? Anything to promote? Oh, there's Tony. There's Tony there. Yeah, great show. No, I was just I was just listening on the uh, in the back office here, so I can close out anytime.
Okay, great. So, oh, Mary, please. do you have, do you have anything? Brahms. Else? I want Brahms. <laughs> you want what? Brahms. Brahms. Oh, no, no, we don't have that. We have uh, what? whatever it is. <laughs> What's, anything, you have a website or anything you want to promote, Mary? My website is constitutionandtruth.com. That's because when I was running for Congress, I had to sort of do that. But um, it has other stuff there, and uh, it has the downloadable books of mine. And I can only say, would you please spend the 10 bucks and buy a book? Because any day, the whole electronic collection of books can disappear. That's right. But not the real Absolutely. One. Get the hard bags, get the, uh, the the hard copies if, if you can. Mary Maxwell, it's always a delight. You're so wonderful to talk to. People love you. You have just a uh, you know, very soothing voice, even when you're saying lots of uh, really radical things about how bad things are. It's nice to hear it in your mm -hmm. voice. So thanks for joining us, Mary Maxwell. We'll have to have you back on. Thanks, everybody, for listening to I Protest. We'll see you ne next week, same time, same bat channel. And good night, John Lola.